Well, hello and welcome back. My name is Stephanie Safarian and you're listening to episode 259 of Sustainable Minimalists, a twice-weekly show about intentional and eco-minimalist living. Today's episode is the third and final episode in the podcast's Best Things in Life Are Free series. And today we're talking about how having rich conversations with our children is truly one of the best things in life. And it also happens to be free. Today, I'm speaking with Dr. Rebecca Rowland. Dr. Rowland is the author of the new book, The Art of Talking with Children, The Simple Key to Nurturing Kindness, Creativity, and Confidence in Kids. Dr. Rowland argues that when we're always busy, when we have no time for downtime, what we're really doing is we're missing out on the opportunities for quality conversations to just naturally occur with our children. And so taking the time and making the intention and slowing down conversations for deeper relationships and better kid-focused outcomes is possible, even though we're all busy. We're going to get into all of that and more with Dr. Roland after a quick word from today's first sponsor, KiwiCo. Spring is here in my neck of the woods, and with the change of seasons comes lots of questions from my kids. Why do flowers bloom? Why are the days longer? Spring's a chance for kids to connect with the world around them, and KiwiCo delivers monthly science and art projects that celebrate our children's natural curiosities. With KiwiCo, your kids can explore different STEAM topics each month, ranging from rainbows to rocket ships and everything in between. Ani and I made gilded journals together, and because KiwiCo did all the preparation and legwork for me, I was able to fully engage in learning alongside my daughter. Do your part to encourage your children to be creative thinkers. Get 30% off your first month plus free shipping on any crate line with code SUSTAINABLE at KiwiCo.com. That's 30% off your first month at KiwiCo.com, promo code SUSTAINABLE. And we are back with Dr. Rebecca Rowland. Rebecca, I'm so excited to glean your wisdom today. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm great. I always love for my guests to introduce themselves. So tell us, first of all, I know you are my neighbor, you live in Boston, but tell us who you are, what you do, and why on earth you felt passionate about talking with children, so passionate that you decided to write a book all about the art of talking with children. So I wear three hats. So I'm the mom of two kids, ages five and 10. I'm also a speech language pathologist with many years of experience from toddler age all the way through young adults. And I'm also a researcher and lecturer at Harvard. So what that's allowed me to do is realize how important conversation is from a research perspective, but also how challenging it can be to have in our daily lives with kids. So for me, I was so fascinated by the power of conversation in terms of what I knew it could do, but then also struggling in my own life and then the lives of parents I met to figure out how can we make this work? So I started asking the question, what about these conversational strategies can we actually use in our daily lives in ways that help kids and that are achievable? I must say, I must be completely honest. When I started reading your book, I thought to myself, I have lots of great conversations with my kids every single day. I don't need a book to tell me how to talk to them. 
<laughs> Sorry, but that's what I was thinking. And I quickly realized one chapter in that the majority of my conversations with my children are quite shallow in that I'm either nagging at them to do something or I'm talking that to them about scheduling or this is what's coming up. And those types of conversations, nagging and scheduling, are the opposite of rich talk. So I'd love to start our conversation with you just very briefly telling all of us the different types of conversation that we're likely having with our kids and which ones out of all of those types of conversations should we be prioritizing in our own homes. Yes, and definitely, it's funny that you mentioned that because a lot of people that I bring this topic up to, they say, oh, you're supposed to talk with your kids sarcastically because, of course, we talk with our kids all the time, all day, every day. And so it's easy to think we're having deep conversations with them. But when you actually step back and look and think about it, so many of our conversations are those kind of autopilot conversations. So very much transactional or logistical. We're talking about getting to swim class. Do you have your bathing suit? Let's talk about doing homework. Can you do your multiplication facts? So all of these, it's not to say these are bad or wrong conversations, but if those make up the majority of our time, we're not actually getting to what kids can do in terms of what they can think about, how they can stretch themselves, and even how they can build these skills like confidence and creativity. So actually, if we have these more rich conversations, it can do so much more than just getting us from here to there. So that makes me wonder, we all assume that we're having rich conversations with our children all day long, but the reality is that most of us are not. Why is rich talk important? Yes, it's a great question. And really, I think about rich talk, especially now, as being an antidote to a lot of the stress and disconnection that we're facing in our daily lives. So If you've been around any children recently, that lots and lots of kids are very anxious, they're very stressed, lots of parents feel very stressed or overwhelmed. And I think about rich talk as really a way not only to build the bond between parents and kids, but really to help reduce some of that stress and to help everyone feel more connected and more of a sense of belonging. So that's the first way it's important. The second way I would say is that it builds these skills in so many different areas. So It's actually, we think about rich talk as maybe building a child's vocabulary, which it does, but that's just really scraping the surface. So there's actually so many other skills that it builds over the long term. So things like helping your child be more creative, more self-confident, and more kind. So all of these things can actually build in the small moments from rich talk. What is getting in the way of having those deep and meaningful conversations with our children in your research and in your capacity as a mom? Yeah. So first is just that there is so much pressure on everyone today. So if you're a busy mom or a busy dad, we know that there's so much pressure to be there for our kids all the time, to help our kids achieve and to help them get everywhere they need to go. So just in terms of our busy lives, this can really get in the way of taking the time for downtime and more exploratory conversations. So I'd say that's the first one. And the second is that we think that we're helping kids achieve by just cramming their schedules oftentimes with activities or play dates or all of these things. And sometimes those things are helpful, but if they go overboard, we also lose the chance for that in-between time where we can really have these conversations. I'm wondering if technology comes into play at all. I imagine that with older kids, their faces are 
in screens, our faces are in screens. Technology can be a huge sort of a battle and can be a real barrier to communication sometimes. So I won't say all the time. I think sometimes phones and screens and tablets can actually bring us together. So if we're looking at something together, if we're watching a documentary, if we're looking up where we should go on vacation, there are times when technology is actually a gateway to communicating and relating. So I wouldn't just say that all of our technologies are bad, but at the same time, a lot of ways that we use technology and our kids use technology are really taking us away from relating. There's actually some research showing that parents actually, when they're on their phones, their toddlers explore the room less and they relate less to the parents. And this is actually worse when the parents say it's habitual. So it's not just taking out your phone one time, but it's when the parents are always on their phone that the toddlers know my mom isn't really going to be able to engage with me. So I'm not going to try. So that's what I'm really interested in is how we get into these patterns where either kids are on their phones all the time or we're on the phones all the time and that we stop having these richer conversations. That's so interesting to me as a mom who was home raising her two children. Daily life with young children, with toddlers, with infants, with even preschoolers can get monotonous. We can want to talk to adults. And so for me, I remember the moment in which I realized that I was using my phone as an escape. Like I couldn't physically leave my house because my child needs me, but I could use my phone as sort of like a mental escape. And I don't really know where I'm going with this, except to say that I realized that I needed to take my phone and put it in the other room when it was quote unquote playtime with my children. Because if not, I was going to, despite my best efforts, resort to the phone. And so that's not even what we're talking about today. We're not talking about phones. We're talking about rich talk. And I would love it if we discussed your ABCs of rich talk. First of all, what is rich talk and what are the ABCs of it. Yeah. Yes, definitely. So rich talk is really is that chance to have these kind of more meaningful conversations and thinking about how we can make it actionable in our daily lives. So I think about the ABCs just to kind of lay out a framework. The A being adaptive. So you're really adapting to the child's mood. So if they're in a very talkative mood, you might match that. If they're quiet, you match that. And other things like temperament their developmental level, how concrete they need to be. And B is a back and forth. So we often talk about, let's talk at our kids or let's talk to our kids. But I really emphasize talking with our kids. So a lot of the research, interestingly, shows that it's actually the number of conversational turns, meaning that how often you talk and your child talks, that impacts their language skills and their overall development. So it's not actually how much information they're getting, but it's actually the chances that they have to talk back as well. So that back and forth is really critical. And then C, being child-driven. So that's where putting aside the phone, we can get back to that because it really is this chance to really focus on what a child is doing or interested in or concerned about in the moment. So not just what they might be concerned about this year, but really actually when you sit with them, what is on their minds right now. And what's interesting is when we really do that and we really sit with them, that's when a lot of behavior issues and emotional outbursts and things like that can become actually really less because a child feels as if you're really with them at that time. 
You use the word with there a couple of times in your response. It's not about, and this is probably my biggest takeaway from your book, is it's not about talking to children. It's talking with children. And so I'm wondering if you can give us a real life example of what it would look and sound like to talk with a child as opposed to a child for anybody listening who is very confused. Yes, <laughs> definitely. So it's funny because you might not even notice the difference maybe in your daily life until you really stop to piece it apart, but it, it can be pretty dramatic. So I'll just give an example of my son who's five coming home and he had lots of orange paint all over his shirt, which is typical because he's often getting in messes. <laughs> and he said to me, mom, we were playing in art class and this kid put paint on my shirt. He thought it was funny. And there's a couple ways you could go with that. So talking to your child might be, oh, that's nice. So I wanted to tell you, what are we going to have for, or I wanted to ask you, what are we going to have for dinner tonight? I was thinking about pasta or maybe pizza. Which one do you want? And the child says, but let me tell you, he took a paintbrush and he was putting it on my face. And I said, no. And, and he said, okay, that's fine. But do you want to go to the park? And that's really with the parent saying, I have this agenda in mind and I'm not really attending to what my child is telling me. I'm, I'm acknowledging it. So I'm saying, yes, that's fine. But then I'm immediately pivoting to what I really have on my mind, which is how do we get through the rest of the day doing these things? So it's not a huge shift, but it actually makes a big difference in the relationship if you actually stay with that conversation. So if he was going to put paint on my shirt and it was a huge mess, you say, what did you tell him? How did you feel about that? And he said, well, I was really mad because I was going to get paint all over my shirt. And you said, well, was the teacher there? What did they say? So you actually just follow that conversation. You're talking with the child. And it doesn't take, obviously that didn't take any hard vocabulary. That didn't take you, know, you preparing any speech, anything like that. So it's not as if we have to come in and, be prepared or study. This is all very natural, but it's just taking that time and that intention to really sit with the child's conversation and interest. I'm wondering if what you're saying there is step one being having conversations that are child-led as opposed to parent-led. And I'm wondering also whether the first step or the second step, I should say, to rich conversations is asking clarifying questions, like letting the child perhaps talk more. I know before you had said that quality conversations have lots of uh, transitions, like parent talks, child talks, parent talks, child talks. But I'm wondering whether step one is letting the child dictate what the topic is and talk more. And if I'm totally off base, please tell me and tell me how can parents like me, who have never thought about rich talk before, how can we start to prioritize it? What's step one? Definitely. Yes. Yeah. So actually in my book, I lay out three, what I call the three E's of rich talk. And this is just a way, especially if you've never done this before, to keep something in mind that can feel really doable and just like a really easy mnemonic to remember. How does this actually look in practice? Because obviously conversation is very abstract. And then especially if you're sitting with your child, you don't really necessarily have time to remember lots of things. So the three E's, and that's exactly what you're talking about. So the first E is expand. So thinking about whatever a child says to you, just really getting more of a sense of what actually does that mean? It doesn't mean asking, say, what does that mean? But that kind of questions are clarifying. Where were you? You know, how did you feel? So you're actually taking time to expand on what the child's situation was, especially if they're not using a lot of words. But even if they are able to talk or they're a teenager, 
you're still expanding on how they were feeling or understanding the situation. So that's the first step. Um, the other two E's are really exploring. So that's just going beyond the here and now. And a lot of research shows that it's not actually focusing on what's in the moment, but really focusing on helping children talk about the past and the future and what's beyond them. So any kind of abstract ideas that are so important in terms of their development. So you might say, what do you want to do tomorrow? Do you think, what do you think what, for the paint example? Do you think that's going to happen tomorrow? What could you do to have it not happen? If so you're following that same topic, but you're starting to help your child plan or predict, do all of these things that are more abstract. And the last is evaluate. So actually after talking, you take the time to help your child think through how do their strategies work or what might they do the next time. So this is, for example, if you made a mistake, you might say, let's talk together about what we could do to avoid that mistake next time. Well, I want to talk to you more about the three E's after a quick word from this week's sponsor. We're going to get into more about the three E's and more about how everyday parents and everyday life can really start to shift conversations from the nagging and scheduling to the rich talk. We're going to get into all of that with Dr. Rebecca Rowland after a quick word from this week's sponsor. And we're back with Dr. Rebecca Rowland. She is the author of the new book, The Art of Chalking with Children, The Simple Key to Nurturing Kindness, Creativity, and Confidence in Kids. I must say that since I read your book, I have really been working hard in my own home to prioritize rich talk. And another takeaway I took from your book was that rich talk tends to happen more naturally when parents let go of that need to give the correct answer. And I have a little example here. Just the other night, I was sitting at the dinner table with both my daughters. My listeners know their ages now eight and five. The grandparents were over. One grandmother asked my eight-year-old, what is she learning in school? And she's talking about erosion. And she can she's clearly very passionate about erosion. But she could not quite verbalize like how erosion happens. And so my instinct as the parent, as the quote-unquote authority, was to jump in and explain to her, teach her even, I used to be a teacher, what erosion is, how it happens, how we can prevent it. But I learned from your book, I don't need to always be the authority. I'm wondering if you can talk to me more about that. I feel like a lot of parents listening are probably thinking to themselves, we're the adult, we're the parent, we know more. Isn't it partly our job to be the authority? Yes. And I wouldn't say that, yeah, never be the authority or something like that. I think kids do rely on us for so many things, for answers, for advice, for, and that's great. We want to keep that up. But what I'm talking about is really to feel relaxed enough to admit that you don't know first, um, to feel like that's actually okay. And kids actually really respect and actually sometimes can be excited by that. If you say, I don't actually know, can, what do you think? Or can we find that out? So Lots of kids feel like they're actually not being heard because the grown-ups know everything. We don't know things. We just have to ask questions or sit there passively. But if you can put a child in a more active situation, so in that case with erosion, rather than saying, well, here, let me tell you what it is, to say, what do you know about erosion? How else could you describe it? You're trying to get that from the child rather than just coming in with the stock answer 
is a really key way, not just to build their explanatory skills, but to help them feel more confident, to say, I do have good ideas. I can try this out. And it's really thinking about yourself not as the you know, fountain of knowledge, but actually somebody who can go on that journey with them of understanding. Well, and just to back that all up, I must say in that interaction, I did use your three E's and it was quite profound for me as a mother to actually be able to see my daughter's gears turning, to see her internally really start to think and expand upon her thoughts in a way that I don't personally think would have happened if I had just given her the answer. So this brings me to my probably most important question that I need to ask you today, which is something we alluded to earlier. Parents are busy, stressed, overwhelmed, overworked, and really darn tired. And so I'm assuming that some parents listening to our conversation would think to themselves, like, another thing to do, another thing I'm doing wrong, another thing to do differently. Do you have any words of encouragement for those listeners, those parents? Definitely, yeah. So really, I wrote this book with that idea very much on the forefront of my mind. So thinking about the fact that no parent needs something else on their plate, that we already all have so much, that it's already so demanding, especially if you're a working parent to try to manage. Even if you're not a working parent, if you're a stay-at-home mom, that's super demanding these days. So it's demanding one way or the other. And the last thing I would want to do is to say, oh, you're doing something wrong or do this thing differently. It's actually, for me, the idea, I talk about a double promise of rich talk. So obviously it builds all these skills long-term, But the other promise that I try to lay out in the book is really thinking about the fact that it will improve the quality of your relationship with your child. So hopefully make you less stressed, make your kids less stressed, make your lives feel less rushed and less disconnected. So the idea is really that it does help long term, but it is something that can be very easy to incorporate in your life and can be something that actually makes you all feel more joy on a day to day basis. I know you mentioned earlier that your oldest child is 10, and so you might be a little too young, perhaps, to answer this question, but perhaps research has something to say. Is there any insight as to how such deep conversations, such rich talk, is there any research to uh, say how such conversations impact or influence the parent-child relationship as a child goes into the teenage years where the child is often disconnected emotionally from their parents? Yes, definitely. So there is a lot of research, and I work with teens professionally, even though I don't have teenagers myself. And there is just so much research out there showing that definitely teenagers are especially now at a risk for increased anxiety, depression, especially if they're overusing social media and things like that. And that actually the opportunity to have that relationship with the parent especially if you're helping them think critically about these things. So not just to ban their phones, say, but to help them say, I'm bigger than my Instagram account, or I am, I have lots and lots of things I can offer. It really does improve their self-esteem and even their motivation to do schoolwork and things like that. So actually helping them recognize all aspects of themselves and really value their own voices is really key. I'm 38 years old almost, and I know when I'm being heard when I'm talking to somebody and they're actually listening. (laughs) And so I think maybe at its most fundamental level, what we're talking about right now is strategies in which we can 
show our children that they're heard. For parents who are listening and they are still confused, I'm wondering if you can offer up some conversation starters or perhaps some prompts that you rely on as a mom that you can give to all of us. Sure. So I think the most important thing to keep in mind is that you are already doing so much. So I would first start by looking at the times when you've had great conversations with your kids, the times when your kids seem like they're opening up and that you feel like you're really related. And look at what's happening there because every family is unique. The last thing I'd want to do is to say, oh, there's one right way to do it and you're probably not doing it right. That's definitely not it. So every family has their inside jokes, their ways of relating to their kids, maybe even pet names. And all of those things are within the family ways of bonding you. So I would start by looking there. At the same time, there are just some really basic things that you can do if you're sitting with your child, no matter what age, and to start to have these conversations. So Things like if you're with a a four or five-year-old and they say, this dinosaur is fighting with this dinosaur, you can really just sit with them, tell them what comes to your mind. Do you have any ideas about what are those dinosaurs doing? How do they look? Even things like, tell me more, or which one do you like better? To really just ask them to get into their world. And that can really work with all ages. Say a teenager says, oh, I'm really making these TikTok videos, just what do you like about it? What's the most fun one? So just really getting from them kind of what is the texture of that experience? What actually motivates them? What excites them? And asking questions there. You mentioned TikTok there. What on earth is TikTok? I still don't even know. I'm so out of the loop. TikTok, my, my daughter is like really obsessed about TikTok and I won't let her have an account. So that makes her even more obsessed. <laughs> Dr. Roland, tell us, more about where we can find you and where we can find your book. Yes, definitely. So I have a website, which is just RebeccaRoland.com. So two C's and two L's. And you can find my book, The Art of Talking with Children, just anywhere books are sold. And you can also find me, I'm on Twitter. So it's Roland underscore RG or on Instagram at Rebecca.G.Roland. Dr. Roland, I want to thank you so much for coming on. You have given me an awful lot of insight and just I wouldn't say I wouldn't say there's anything in there that's making me upend what I'm doing it's just slight tweaks to make me be a slightly better parent so I want to thank you so much for coming on and offering your knowledge and insight thank you oh thank you it's been a pleasure Listeners, that's a wrap. I so hope you enjoyed my conversation with Dr. Rebecca Rowland. I've linked to her book. I've linked to her in this week's show notes, which you can find at mamaminimalist.com forward slash 259. I will be back on Thursday with an episode that I have been researching and preparing for many, many weeks. It is all about lithium ion batteries. They're in our phones. They're in our computers. They're in our solar panels. They are in our electric vehicles. What on earth is the impact of these lithium ion batteries on the planet? We're going to get into all of that on Thursday. Don't miss it. I will see you then and take care. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.
For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.